0: hey welcome to the podcast this week we are at novi christian academy in michigan and uh, we're here for three days and we are doing a live q a here which will be able to be seen on all of our social media if you go to the link tree at, at uh, on the ig go to the link tree at twitter go to the link tree at facebook you can go to our YouTube channel and watch this. You can listen to it on the iTunes podcast, or you can you can read the manuscript at our um, at our website. That'll all be posted, okay? And we took in man dozens of questions here. It looks like I'm sure, and we won't be able to get to all of these, but I'm going to read through these and give you some short answers on these, and maybe even see if the students um, have some feedback here too, okay? So first question. How do you get rid of a bad habit? How do you get rid of a bad habit? How do I gain confidence in God again to work in my life? Right. Man, this is great. Habits are started by repeating something over and over, right? True? Talk to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you, thank you, because uh, you're on display right now. Habits are started by repeating a, a habit, a behavior, a thought. So if we're going to get rid of a habit, then we need to repeat a different behavior. So if, if let's say the habit is pornography and you've been looking at pornography and you can't stop going back to, okay, soft porn, right? that certain IG channel that you guys go to, that you know you can look at and you get stimulated. Well, if you keep going back to soft porn, okay, as a habit, the way you stop that habit is to win by not going back to that channel or that page or that website. And you do that, listen, you do that by recording wins. So as many times that you would, right, go click, go over, ooh, stop, go to favorites, whatever. When one time you know you felt conviction over that, one time you don't go there, what you need to do is to record that on your phone. Like go to your notes page or text a voicemail to yourself, right? Text I won, I didn't look at soft porn, and put the date down. Because that does something for you. It tells you if you can do it once, what? You can do it again. And so instead of repeating the bad habit, you have to repeat good habits. Okay, say the habit is I only read my Bible at youth group or I only read my Bible when I'm in church or whatever. Then what you have to do is to start repeating a good habit of reading your Bible in your bedroom, before the end of the day, or to start the day, right? So you do that once, you do that twice, and you're starting to repeat a good habit. So it's that that idea of garbage in, garbage out. So whatever you continue to do and set as a pattern, you have to, to change that, you have to set a different pattern. So honestly, Habits are just patterns. They're just decisions that you make over and over again to lose or to win. See that? Because if you continue to do something, right, you're gonna continue to get the same thing. If you want something different, you have to stop doing the thing you've been doing and start a good habit. And then record that as a win. Because I think that when you do that, it will be really easy for you to be like positive. And be like, I can do this. I, you know, I, here's another thing too: get good people around you. People that could be editors in your life. I know you throw we throw out that word accountable all the time. I need to be accountable. I need an accountability partner. Accountable is one thing because you kind of share that with people and whatever and you have that relationship. But to get an editor in your life who can change things, an editor is so. Sometimes accountability is like peer relationships my friends and we check each other, but an editor is older. It's like a boss of you, (laughs) right? When you have an editor in your life, they have the power to change you. So I think that will help you get out of those bad habits too. Okay, another question. How do I know that I am doing what is right in the world? I love that question because one of the things that I think your generation has forgotten is that you can change your world. The generation before you, the millennials, believed that. Your older brothers and sisters that might be the younger, Gen Z, they believed that they could change the world. The, the generation before you was into causes big time. Water wells, fighting human trafficking, right? The AIDS epidemic, you know. Uh, whatever they could do to be involved in a cause. And it was all over their t-shirts. It was like important to them. The humanitarian degree that is going on in the colleges right now, there's this humanitarian degree. It is exploding. It's one of the fastest growing degrees that you can get, humanitarian leadership, because it's global and it's cause-oriented. So I love that question. How do I know that I'm doing the right thing in the world? I, let me give you two or three things. First, if your life is right, you do right things. Does that make sense? Snap. Right? <laughs> if your life is right, you do right things. If your life is wrong, you do wrong things. So just think about it that way first. If I want to change the world, I have to change my life first. I'm not going to change the world until I change my life. Like, I like to say it this way. If, you, if we could have like a piece of chalk and draw a circle right here on the carpet, I'd be in trouble. But if we could draw a circle there and step into that circle, I like to tell teenagers this. You have to change the circle before you change the globe. Does that make sense? I know you want to change the globe. But if you don't change the circle, if you don't change it, Yourself 1st then you're not going to have an impact on the world—and so that's what I would say first. Second, um, I truly believe that students who are together in with comrades, posse's, you know, circles with the right crew, however you want to call it—that you are more influential when you are in a group than you are just as an individual. There's power in the movement of people and so listen the scriptures say that we should not join ourselves with unbelievers that we should join ourselves with believers that we should be co-laborers with each other okay there are so many one another verses in the bible the bible talks about one another, often because there's power in numbers. Have you ever heard this? Okay, so a study was done with horses and how much they could pull. The average horse that would pull 7,100 pounds, That's you can see this, you Google it, and look at the research. The average horse that would pull 7,100 pounds, right? If you add another horse to that horse, they don't pull 14,200 pounds. They pull over twenty thousand pounds because there's that what they call synergy. You feed off each other. So listen, if, number one, if you can change yourself, you you then you can change the world. If you change yourself and you get a group of people around you who can help you pull in the same direction, you can impact and influence a city, a school, a city, a nation even greater, just like that study done with horses. Let me give you one more. I don't know if you've seen this video, but it's viral. Um, It is a video of this dancing man at this uh, festival. Anyone know what I'm talking about? This dude is dancing all by himself at a festival. And everyone is watching him, and they're making fun of him, and they're like, whoa, the dude is definitely on something. <laughs> and you can tell, right? He's at this festival, he's out of a field, and he just starts going off dancing. But what happens in the next seven minutes, is a remarkable study in, like, human behavior. What happens is this dude is dancing, and a couple of people come up, and they kind of mock him. They're, like, dancing with him, and he grabs their hands, and they're, like, pulling back. Anyway, the party starts. And as you watch this, slowly, in the next few minutes, people start coming up, dancing with this crazy guy. And before you know it, at the end of the video, there are hundreds of people dancing at this festival. Okay, how many of you would be like that first person in? How many of you, raise your hand if you'd be the first person in. Okay, if you would be like the second person in, raise your hand. Like maybe you're like a little braver. How many of you, if a party started and there were hundreds, would then join the party? Oh, come on. Some of you, yeah, you would because you wouldn't want to be there all alone if everybody else is partying. You'd at least stand up, right? Do you see what I'm talking about? If you deal with yourself, and then you get a crowd, you can change the festival, the world. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think it does. I think, I think it makes great sense. You, so there's some easy ways to do that. Okay, what do you think of premarital, so before marriage, hugging, cuddling, and physical contact? Yes, let's go there. Uh, tomorrow we're going to talk about this topic a little bit more. Actually, no, I think it's Wednesday. But anyway, I wrote a book called Gen Sexy. Oh, yeah, Gen Sexy. Hey, could somebody grab me that book? I'll, I want to kind of sh- show that off. Uh, we'll have it, we have it available this week. But anyway, it, it's, so the title is like Gen, Generation, Sex, X, Y, Z, sexy, sexy, Z. See what I did? Generation X is your parents. That's like my generation. Generation Y are the millennials, and Generation Z is you. Thank you, Jessica. This is So this is the book, isn't that a sick cover? Middle schoolers d- designed it. Yeah, it's kind of like a 70s feel to the sexual revolution. So, anyway, we're going to talk about this week big time. But when I saw this question, I wanted to, like, at least get this on, on record to start our week. So, anyway, you're going to want to get this this week, okay? It's 15 bucks, so bring money. We, we have a card reader if you need to. And I'll maybe pass a few out for free and whatever. But I think it will help you because I deal with this question big time. There's a whole chapter on the hookup. <laughs> Because, like, back in the day, think about it. Back in the day, my grandfather would hook up a trailer to his truck and haul a load of something. Right? The hookup to my grandfather was totally different. Okay. Back in the day, my dad would crawl up on the roof and hook up the antenna so we could watch TV. You don't even remember those days, but some of us do because we had to like, move the antenna to get the right, right. And so he would hook up the antenna on the roof. Yeah, okay, when I was a kid, your parents, after the football game on Friday night, we would hook up with our friends and go out for pizza. Today, in your world, that's not the hookup. The hookup isn't about hauling a load of something, antennas on roof, going out for pizza after the football game. The hookup is casual sex with somebody, no strings attached, and no apologies, right? That's what the hookup is, let's just get together and whatever happens, happens, and then we'll try to get with somebody else next week. So somehow, look at the rules have changed through the generations, so that's why I wrote the book. And in here, in this book, in this chapter, I talk about healthy dating. And I'm not gonna blow it off for you, but let me just give you a couple of things that I think are like standards that you should have. So the first one is really simple. I call it the neck up, checkup. The neck up, checkup. In other words, if you're on a date, you can do anything you want from the neck up. Like you could touch her ear, Or, right, feel her eye, like rub her, rub her temple, right? But don't go below the neck. Yeah, just like that. That's perfect. (laughs) Just like that. Like, and I know I'm being kind of funny when I say it, but listen, at the point when you begin to arouse somebody else, I think that's when you have gone too far. And I realize, listen, I'm not telling you that if, if that if you arouse somebody on a date that you've sinned. I'm not saying that. But I think that's when you have gone too far. Because how many know that once you start going down a hill, it's very difficult to stop? How many of you ski? Y'all ski? Okay, right? You get on you get on your skis, right? And then you jump to the side, you say a little jump. Hey, jump to the side, and you kind of shimmy it a little bit, and you look down the hill. and then now, if you turn your skis, you're going downhill, aren't you? You can't stop. Maybe if you're really good, you could like put those poles out there, and then you go right downhill, because that's what happens. And what happens when you get below the neck is you start going downhill. Hello. Is that pretty graphic? Mm, yeah. Because what happens, listen, You start getting out of control and then you crash. So I like to say, just keep it from the neck up. I think that sometimes we have to really get real. So I believe that petting or touching another person uh, in their private parts, even over their clothes, I think that's wrong, I think it's too far. I think that in itself would be sin. Okay, I, I do. And sometimes you guys just need to hear those standards. Why? Because of a simple word that was used to describe sex before marriage. That was the question, right? Sex before marriage. Premarital, premarital touching and hugging and all that, but beyond that. And there's a word that describes that, okay? Um, we use the word fornication, Maybe you've heard of californication, right? And whatever. People have plays on that word. Fornication is sex outside of marriage between a man and a woman. That's what fornication is. And the word, okay, the word in the New Testament that is used, Jesus used it, Paul used it, uh, James used it, John used it, multiple times it's used. Uh, Jude used it. It's the word porneia. Sounds like pornography, doesn't it? Pornea. It's not necessarily that word for pornography, but pornography would lead to it. Pornea literally means sex outside of marriage between a man and a woman. So that covers all sex outside of marriage between a man and a woman. And so when you get into touching or fondling or arousing another person, that would be the biblical definition of fornication. Okay, so I can be real with you, Matthew 5, Matthew 15, Matthew 19. Okay, um, Acts, uh, Acts uh, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 1, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 1 Timothy chapter 1. I'm giving you all the places where this word is used, and there's, there's multiple in the book. I'm giving these to you, though, so you know I'm not just throwing stuff out there. Okay? So um, that's what I, I believe. Those kind of things will help you. Uh, here's one more thing. Can I get real practical on the whole dating thing too in relationships? Group date. Do more group dating than you do single dating. Like I, y'all know the couple that can't keep their hands off each other, <laughs> right? You, you know who they are. They walk in the hallway. They're in the lunchroom. They're in class. They're in chapel and they're always touching and they're always holding. And they're always by each other. And it's like, right, it's kind of like that puppy love or whatever you call it, and they're just like, ha 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 all the time. Listen, that's that can be really unhealthy. Because if you're always, if you always have to be with each other and always be moved by each other when you're in public, how easy it is for you to do the wrong thing when you're in private. So do more group dating. Right? Like, yeah, group date, group date. Because then those of you that are really awkward and don't even know how to talk could be like, uh, you could really get along in a group date.